0: What is up, all of you unconventional conventionists? Welcome back to Rocky Talkie, a Rocky Horror podcast where we talk about anything and everything Rocky Horror related. I'm John. And I'm Aaron.
1: And I'm Nikki.
0: Fantastic.
2: Aaron, Nikki, how are your weeks? What did y'all do? What's the vibe? Oh man, I've had a fun week, John. I've been messing around with some deep fake stuff. Making some rocky horror content that is just the worst kind of nightmare fuel. (sighs) Had a lot of fun with it, though. It's messing around with some technology stuff. You know, it's having a good time. I'm absolutely terrified
0: that in, like, two weeks I'm going to go on deepfakes.com and see some, like, shitty porn
2: of me from you. (laughs) You know, I hadn't thought of doing that yet, but now that you put it in my head. (sighs) I can't wait. Oh, God. Yeah, that could be fun. Stop it.
0: Well, now you're promising something publicly on a podcast and now you have to deliver.
2: Okay, I will not be doing that. Just Thank to clarify. Thank you. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my week's been pretty good. I've been messing around with that. A lot of work this week and a lot of other stuff like that, but uh, you know, that's been my rocky fix. Happy to be here. Let's talk about some rocky stuff. Uh, but first up, come on, Nikki. What have what have you been up to?
1: So I actually, I want to talk about this. I've had a very conflicting week. Because I had, so I had a tweet on Twitter that blew up, and I also had a TikTok that blew up this week. But the tweet was kind of controversial. Like, not controversial, but it definitely split the room. So I've been getting, like, a lot of negative feedback on Twitter. Whereas on TikTok, I've been getting an overwhelming amount of positive feedback. So I'm very confused right now if I should be really sad or really angry. So I tweeted about... There was like, there's been a controversy lately regarding David Dobrik and his actions in the past. So I tweeted that, you know, regardless of your fan base, we need to hold big creators accountable because we can't just keep giving people a pass because they're funny or rich or hot. I get that you stand these people, but like, I just tweeted that we need to hold them accountable. And a lot of people did not like that I said that, but it did get a lot of likes and I've never gotten that many likes. So it was very exciting. So anyway, yeah. It's been a weird week.
0: I just followed you.
1: Oh my god, babe! Yeah. How did you find my Twitter?
2: Uh, your brand is pretty consistent. <laughs> Nikki, I have an extreme opinion about this one, but I have one clarifying question first. Who the fuck is David Dobrik? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll talk. We'll talk. Well, no, seriously, it's it, who who the fuck is this guy that you're He's even talking on- about?
1: He's a very famous YouTuber. He's known, he's a part of the vlog squad. Do you know what the vlog squad is?
2: Pretend you're talking to someone who doesn't use the internet that way. So Mm -hmm.
1: David Dobrik makes YouTube videos in LA with a bunch of his friends. And a lot of, he does a vlog every week and they seem very scripted. But lately it's been coming out that it's not scripted. And he's actually just really shitty to all of his friends. And they're coming out saying like, hey, we're really sad and he's really bad. And he's not acknowledging it.
2: Passing off scripted content as non-scripted content—that is an absolute catastrophe. Anyone who does such a thing should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. And uh, hold on, I gotta turn the page.
1: Yeah, you missed a—you
2: missed a couple lines there. Mm-hmm, sorry about that. Uh, I am outraged. Ben, and can I we think- just get
1: a rewrite on this part? I don't like this part. I got you. Okay, thank you.
2: All right. Well, <laughs> um, that was fun.
1: Yeah, that was a good time. Anyway. fuck
0: David Dobrik.
1: Yeah, so how are you, John?
0: Yo, I'm fantastic. Uh, This week has been kind of slow for me. Uh, And I know that we're not supposed to talk about anything that's like Rocky horror related about our thing that we're supposed to do this week. But I was talking with a friend of mine about, you know, missing things and life. And I found this one video of me as Riff. And I was eating toilet paper off of the floor at a show. What? Of course. Right. And then I I went down a rabbit hole and I went onto the Rocky Instagram for NYC. And you know, we have little highlights of like fun, cute little moments for every cast member. And I clicked on mine and was just watching through. And I was like, it gave me this realization. For those of you who don't know, I did keto over the first half of quarantine and I dropped like almost 50 pounds. So like I was hot then. But, like, I'm super hot now, and I swear to Christ that when I get back to Rocky, the entirety of New York City is in fucking danger. I am going to be so hot, it's not going to be able to be contained in one single human body. And I just feel so good about that. About leveling the entirety of Manhattan...
2: With my rockin' body. Well, good for you, John. That's amazing. That is super cool. For those of us who um, may have been having a little more Taco Bell over quarantine, um, we'll stand in the back. It's fine.
1: Is that because I'm currently eating Taco Bell, Aaron? Are you calling me out?
2: Aaron,
0: you got some luscious locks over quarantine, so don't even try to
2: step to the back. Oh my God! Those are coming off the minute that it's safe to go to a hairdresser. <laughs> For fuck's sake!
1: Hell yeah!
2: Also, I didn't I didn't know you were eating uh, Taco Bell, Nikki. I thought you were just having some chips. Ah! Uh-uh. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> and
0: with that crunch. Let's get started (laughs) with our first segment of the podcast. We got some global news coming right at you, right in your face. So first up in global news, there may soon be a way for us all to stream the Rocky Horror Picture Show again. You know, in case you find yourself with no other way to re-watch it over and over and over again while you're stuck in your house. On February 23rd, Disney actually released a new channel within Disney Plus called Star. Ooh. Which is the stupidest name for a Disney Plus channel I've ever heard, but it's a content hub within Disney Plus for television and film content that is intended for adult audiences. You know, so they can say fuck. So Star includes content from ABC Signature, 20th Television, 20th Century Studios, Searchlight Pictures, Touchstone, Hollywood Pictures, FX, and Freeform, which used to be ABC Family for all of you who are over the age of 20. Uh Ah. So far, Star has only launched in Canada, Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore, with plans to expand uh, to more markets later in the year.
1: Wait, but do you know what this means? This means that they're going to release the Hamilton Supercut where they say fuck.
0: And the buttholes. <laughs> I need to see Lin Manuel Miranda's butthole. Okay, what does the butthole cut have to do with Rocky Horror? All right, so what does this have to do with Rocky? Great question, Aaron. Streaming availability, of course. Rocky is becoming available to Disney Plus subscribers on Star. So, so far, it's only available to Canadian viewers, but it seems like Disney has plans to continue updating its library as license agreements end with other streaming platforms. So, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's just a matter of time before we all have access to Rocky via stream again. You know, as long as you have Disney+.
1: I'm really excited about this. The entire Star Channel honestly sounds like a really good time, and I really like the idea of being able to watch grown-up Disney-owned content on Disney+. The cartoons and superhero movies are a lot of fun, do not get me wrong, but I'll also very happily watch some
0: FX shows. And Lynn manuel Miranda's butthole. Yeah. Well, stay tuned, folks. We will keep you
2: updated on the Disney Plus Rocky Horror situation as we learn more. Now we have a bit of somber news about a very prolific artist, Chris Yambar. Chris comes from Youngstown, Ohio, and he's always been a really big comic book fan, In his youth, he was a really big Marvel fan, and in adulthood, his art has stretched across so many mediums, including a number of pieces that are based on Rocky Horror. Yeah, I couldn't believe how many areas this guy has dipped himself
0: into. He's created two publishing companies, uh, Mana Underground Press and Substance Comics. With Mana, he published an international underground paper called The Activist, Radical Truth Through Art, Music, and Social Commentary. Through Substance Comics, he produced three 64-page issues of Substance Quarterly.
1: Substance Comics dissolved in 1994, but out of that year, one of Yambar's most popular characters was created. Out of a single-panel gag cartoon found in a tiny coffee house in Ohio, a little nameless character was created and became rapidly popular. Later named Mr. Beat, memorabilia was made as well as a few comics. Under the same character, Yambar has also released music.
2: He's also written and created comic art for The Simpsons, as well as comic-related content for Alice Cooper and Kiss. He also has two websites for his main pursuit, His Art. One website, yumbartoday.com, has over 840 pieces of pop art, including 12 variations of Frankenfurter portraits a lot of portraits his other website
0: yambar.com has 37 portraits of real people as well as four pieces from an AIDS awareness campaign of everything that I've seen his condoman man with like A tiny sperm bullet ricocheting off of his chest was perhaps the best one.
2: So why are we talking about this guy? Well, Chris Yambar is currently struggling with sepsis and MRSA. MRSA is a bacteria resistant to many types of antibiotics and can lead to worse infections like staph or sepsis. And sepsis occurs when chemicals released in the bloodstream to fight an infection trigger inflammation throughout the body.
1: Yambar was hospitalized for two weeks in early December and has since lost a lot of freedom of movement. In order to try and recoup some medical costs, he has set up the Chris Yambar has been seriously ill with sepsis and MRSA. He was hospitalized for a week and is finally home, but still extremely weak. Now he needs your help. Health bailout sale.
0: What a name.
1: Yo, this guy has shit going on. He's not trying to fuck around with the cute title. He wants results.
2: We are absolutely wishing Chris all the best and we hope he recovers really soon. In the meantime, his health bailout sale includes silk screens and paintings on yambartoday.com that are available for only a hundred bucks. Some of these pieces are, you guessed it, Rocky-themed. He's got a really nice one of Frank, along with several others that feature Frank's shoes, corsets, and fishnets.
0: If you do decide to shop for a good cause, be careful not to purchase through the site since the prices are outdated. If you want to purchase anything, contact Chris's agent, Deb Katoe, at chrisyambarart at gmail.com. She will be thrilled to help you make a purchase.
2: We here at Rocky Talkie wish you the best of luck with your recovery, Chris, and I know we'll all be taking a look at your site this week to see which of your pieces we might want to add to our collections.
1: Well, on the topic of things that I'd like to add to my personal collections, let's talk about meatloaf. <laughs> you want an funny. old
2: racist guy?
1: I mean, I just really I just really like Paradise by the Dashboard Light.
2: You like the meat. You just like the meat.
1: Maybe I'm just hungry, okay? I'm, I got insecure I didn't finish my Taco Bell. Now I want some meatloaf.
2: We like the meat.
1: Anyway, Meatloaf made an announcement on social media this Saturday that he's going to be making some TV appearances. His post reads, Hope everyone has a great weekend. Coming soon, two interviews on American TV, but I am pretty sure everyone can watch them at some point in 2021. One of them is Eli Roth's History of Horror. One of the films he is featuring this season is Rocky Horror Picture Show. I also want to talk to him about the Masters of Horror film I did. Pelts, directed by Dario Argento, both great, great stories. The history of horror interview on the AMC Network this Halloween, twenty twenty one. The second interview will air on National Geographic Channel and Disney Plus, dealing with my music and pop culture history of the eighties. Sounds like a lot of fun. God bless and love you all. Meet. <laughs>
2: I gotta, I, I gotta point out how the. About- you somehow managed to make his incoherent rambling sound like a coherent like sentence of thought. That was baffling. I was reading this along with you, going like, "The fuck is she putting spit?" Oh, that's how he wanted that to sound. <laughs> Meat.
0: That's exactly Meat. how I'm ending all of my correspondence from now on.
2: You would. So, both these interviews sound like a really good time. I've seen a few episodes of Eli Roth's History of Horror series. It's a great watch, especially if you're a horror fan. Uh, You'd love it, John. Me. So, basically, each episode deep dives into a different horror movie genre. They cover stuff like haunted houses, zombies, witches, and creepy kids, and then talk about different movies that include the trope of the week. I wonder what genre they're going to use when they talk about Rocky. Aliens, maybe?
1: The gays. Ooh. (laughs) There's nothing scarier than the gays, except maybe the plot of the Masters of Horror movie, Pelts that Meatloaf mentioned he starred in. I'm just going to give you, gentlemen, a quick rundown of this cinematic experience. Meatloaf plays a fur trapper who really likes exotic dancers, especially one in particular who he really wants to boink. In order to woo her, Meatloaf makes her a fur coat, except he accidentally makes a haunted fur coat out of haunted raccoon pelts, and of course, a bunch of scary stuff ensues.
0: Wait, 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 wait. The raccoon furs were haunted? Yep. Does that mean the raccoons were haunted when they were alive? or are the pelts haunted by the ghosts of the dead
2: raccoons? Honestly, that sounds adorable. You have a fur coat that's got ghost raccoons attached to it who get into tiny little mischief with their tiny little raccoon hands. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a ghost raccoon. Oh, tiny, tiny mischief, tiny My mischief. My
1: brothers. Okay. Well... We don't want to give away the ending, but let's just say it's really, really not adorable. It's actually pretty gruesome. It's a really funny bad horror movie and definitely worth a watch if you're into that sort of thing.
0: Ugh. Hearing you people talk about this spooky shit is giving me the creeps. Can we be excited about the music and pop culture history one instead?
1: Well, we don't really know much about that interview beyond the fact that it's going to exist. But we'll definitely keep you and our listeners posted as we learn more.
0: Sounds good, I guess. Haunted raccoons. Shaking my head. Selling my
2: house. Sucking my hands. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta tell you, Meg and I actually watched this thing last night and like, oh boy, it is... You know, it is a role written for Meatloaf. He plays a huge piece of shit who is kind of, like, within the first 20 minutes, you are just like, oh, if there was any doubt how big of a piece of shit this character is, hold my beer. He's going to be a bigger piece of shit in the next moments. So you just kind of feel good as all these bad things happen to him. I don't know. It's it's, uh, cathartic in that way.
0: Smelling more homosexuals. The raccoons aren't
1: ghosts, they're just haunted by the actions of their past.
0: Me.
2: (laughs) Speaking of haunted by the actions of their past, we're rounding out global news this week with... An interesting story. The Taft Museum of Art in Cincinnati, Ohio, has just started displaying a legendary Rocky Horror costume piece. Sort of, but not really. Actually, not really at all. Uh, you see, the museum has just opened an exhibition called Walk This Way, the Stuart Weitzman Collection of Historical Shoes. uh Interested? No? Okay. According to the museum, this exhibition presents footwear in step with labor activism, suffrage, and the sexual revolution, and will be on view from February 27th through June 6th.
1: Apparently, this collection started as a gift exchange between Stuart Weitzman and his wife. One year, Mrs. Weitzman couldn't think of an anniversary gift for her husband and thought to herself, for a high fashion designer like Stuart, maybe antique shoes will do. The couple have now collected over 100 pairs of antique and historic shoes, some of which are on display at this exhibit. Kinky. Okay, so Stuart has a pair of Rocky Horror shoes in his collection? That's pretty cool.
2: Well, sort of. See, one of the pairs on display, that's number 257 in the collection to be exact, are Terry de Havilland Peep Toe platform shoes from around 1972. Their collection description reads celebrities from actress marlene dietrich to dancer carmen miranda popularized platform shoes in the late 30s and 40s by the 1970s platforms were back in fashion for both women and men the glam rock london shoemaker terry de Havilland provided high-heeled shoes for gender-bending performers including david bowie and tim curry in the rocky horror picture show so we've got a picture in the dock nikki why don't you describe what we're looking at here
1: Okay, I've been really stressed about this the whole recording because I don't know much about shoes, but we're going to give this a whirl. Um, There's like a chunky heel and a platform, as you do, and it has this like silvery trim, kind of textured, kind of gorgeous, with like red straps coming down and there's an ankle strap. It's, It's Frankie. It's definitely like a Frankie shoe.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is it's an open open-toed shoe, the same way that Franks are. It's got the chunk heel, the same way that Franks do. Uh, it's not completely closed over the toes, right? So it's it's slightly different. Also, it's colored, so it's not black. And but the design, I mean, if you know Frank's shoes, it's it's that that look, right?
0: Yeah, I can I can definitely see it. I feel like these would be perfect with just a little bit of modification.
2: Right, so these aren't shoes that were worn on stage or anything, but they are from the same line of shoes and around the same time period that the shoes that Frank wears are based on. The funny thing is, the designer, uh, Terry de Heveland, still makes shoes that are even closer to Frank's than the ones in the Weizmann collection. They're black leather, and the shape is pretty much perfect. Now, caveat, this brand is very high-end, so you're definitely going to be paying a bit more for a new pair, We're talking in the vicinity of like 400 bucks, but you can pick up a secondhand one on sites like eBay or Poshmark for around a hundred bucks. So, you know, keep your eyes out. Damn, Aaron, you've got the Frank jacket. You found the Frank shoes. Is there
0: something you want to tell us? You going to be making your uh, Frank debut anytime
2: soon? Uh, Go fuck yourself. So with that, let's move on to Community News.
0: First up in community news, we've got another production of the Rocky Horror Stage Show to look forward to at the end of the year. The Indy on Main, which is in Kaiser, West Virginia, is planning to host a production of the Rocky Horror Show that will run the last two weekends in October, the 22nd and 23rd, and the 29th and 30th. So we spoke to the director, Hayden Davis, who will also be starring in the production as Frank, who filled us
2: in about the upcoming performances— Yeah, so something a bit different here. Hayden is planning to work with the original script, the original set design based on designs by Brian Thompson, costumes based on those made by Sue Blaine, and the OG direction based on what Jim Charming came up with. Hayden let us know that he specifically chose not to go with the 90s stage show rewrite because he felt it lacked a lot of the original's charm. This
1: is not Hayden's first time working with the Rocky Horror Show. He and his cast have put on two prior productions of the stage show, so this October will be their third time. He also mentioned that while the stage show is what he knows best, he and a lot of his cast also have some experience with shadow casting. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how that experience gets incorporated into the production, if at all.
0: And on a more personal note, Hayden let us know that he has been totally in love with the show throughout his entire life. He first watched a movie when he was only two years old, and all through his childhood, he would dress up as Brad and Frank to sing Sweet Transvestite.
1: Aw, a baby lifer in training. I feel that, dude.
2: Yeah, we're all with you. I, I know some people get a little weird about young kids at the show, but come on. I absolutely love seeing little kids in Rocky costumes like at conventions and stuff. They're adorable. They always get so excited when their costume matches yours. There's nothing cuter than a little Columbia next to a big Columbia.
0: This show sounds like it's going to be a great time, so if you happen to be anywhere near West Virginia towards the end of October, you should definitely plan to check out this performance if it's, of course, safe to do so. It's going to be taking place at the Indy on Main in Kaiser, West Virginia, and we will have links to more info in our show notes. So, last in community news, RKO and JCCP rebroadcast last month's stream of Repo and Rocky this past Saturday. We're not going to bore you with another review as we've already covered these performances very thoroughly, but we definitely wanted to shout them out and say thank you for entertaining us with a late night double feature picture show. Really? You went there? That's what it says right here in the script. I did not write it. I'm just here to have a personality. Let's
1: talk about the dangers of scripting thing. I'm just kidding.
2: They started the broadcast off with some really fun pre-shows too admittedly we tuned in a bit late last time so i'm not sure if these were all new or if they were just new to us but they were super cute they did a, a couple of different numbers i particularly liked the wig in a box one i liked
1: hey Ya a lot that song is such a classic
2: classic It came out when i yeah mm-hmm.
1: i said what i said these performances were really fun to revisit. Even a rebroadcast beats the hell out of No Rocky on a Saturday night. Plus, it's always a good time to hang out in the chat and interact with all the other viewers while you watch your friends on screen.
0: Yeah. I don't know why I <laughs> said it that way. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. Big thank you to our pals at JCCP and RKO. We loved it, and we can't wait to see you hotties in person soon.
1: And with that, I think it's time. For what? It is time for Nikki Asks a Question. Please clap.
2: That was kind of hot. Please. Am I supposed to pay you for that?
1: Please clap.
2: I love how this is this
0: uh, thing is still called Nikki Asks a Question where Nikki never asks a question.
1: I, I've got a few. They're in the back of my brain. They're coming. I just, you know, you know, I'm a busy woman and I have a lot of people do my work for me.
0: Right, of course.
1: Whatever. All right, guys, calm down. We're finally getting around to the last write-in question we had from Rowan. Okay, so here it goes.
2: Rowan asks a question. (laughs) No, literally.
1: (laughs) Hello. I was wondering why certain changes were made from the original stage show when adapted to film, such as, but not limited to... Was there any significance changing phantoms to Transylvanians, adding dinner scene, removing certain songs and verses, no longer having the joke of Eddie and Dr. Scott being played by the same person, the swap from the events of the story taking place in an abandoned movie theater to now a giant castle? I am just up all night pondering all these questions. Please help. Thanks. XOXO.
0: Damn, Rowan, you shit with that mouth. You went from a super specific question last week to just blasting away with a shotgun this week.
1: No, I'm here for it. I even know a couple of these. I'm gonna take this one, boys.
2: But it's but it it's Nikki asks a question. Not this week. You're just gonna let her do this, aren't you, Aaron? I mean, I think technically it's her segment and Oh, well, Meg approved, so here we go so many
1: of the changes between the stage show and the movie were attempts to fix the pacing but they kind of resulted in the opposite they added in dinner scene as a change of scenery from the lab Originally, in the stage show, Eddie is sung in the lab right after Dr. Scott comes in. But in the change from the lab to the dining room for Dr. Scott's number, they had to add a whole bunch of time getting the scene established. Walking in, standing around, serving the food, standing around some more, the reveal, Columbia wandering off, all this before they even got around to singing the song. Dinner was never really intended to be a scene. They just added it to the movie to fix the pacing. And it failed miserably in that regard. In addition, it made the timeline confusing with no explanation.
2: I'm sorry, Nikki. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, Nikki, how, how about you cite some sources or something? You you didn't even quote from Creature of the Night once. Do you even know how to do your own segment? Ugh.
1: Oh, sure. Okay. Literally all of this info comes from the Rocky Talkie podcast. Episode four, When's Dinner. How's that for a source, Aaron?
2: Oh, Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Good source. Good source. Good source. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Guess it all must be true then. Damn. Good research,
2: Nikki. Yeah, you want to keep going? Uh, how about all those other questions Rowan asked about?
1: Eh, I wouldn't want to show you guys up too bad. I'll let you take those. But know that I could if I wanted to. I just don't want to. But I could.
0: Sure you could, sweetie.
1: Suck a giant dick.
0: Well, speaking of sucking giant dicks, Jim Sharman is the guy who would have all the answers to the questions that keep rowing up all night.
2: Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Jim Sharman did direct both the stage show and the movie, and he was ultimately responsible for a lot of the changes between the two. In collaboration with Richard O'Brien, and for a lot of the questions we're talking about, Brian Thompson also played a really big role. No, no, no. Back to the sucking dick part.
1: Is Jim Sherman gay?
2: Uh, He is, and as you would expect, it's a big part of his autobiography, and rightly so. I mean, this is a guy who was gay in a time when men could only describe themselves as a confirmed bachelor. Oh, spooky. Spooky gays, yeah. Uh, His whole (laughs) life story is really interesting, Uh, though I'll admit I've only skimmed certain parts. I haven't gotten around to reading the entire book in full. I bet you've read all the Rocky stuff, though. Of course, one of my favorite passages comes from really early in Jim Sharman's life when he was a teenager. Uh, He had just come home from seeing a theatrical show with his family, and as they sat down for tea, he remembers being particularly thoughtful before announcing, "I would like to do that." His father was very alarmed and asked him, "You want to be a performer?" Right? He was terrified of his son's future as an unemployed ne'er-do-well. And after a pause, Charmin replied, No, there must have been someone who imagined it up. That's what I want to be.
1: I'm 14 and that's deep.
0: Literally.
2: Yeah, uh, for him though, for sure, since that was the moment he decided that he was going to be a prolific stage director. Which I, I think we can actually all agree, he he made good on that one. So anyway, all this info comes pretty much directly from the couple of chapters about Rocky that's in his autobiography.
0: So there are a couple of major influences on Charmin's vision for the movie. Rocky was already modeled on a B-movie format from the original stage show.
1: After all, that's the entire framing for the story that is foretold in science fiction double feature. In the original stage show, the opening song is sung by an usherette who stumbled into work at the foreclosed movie theater that the theater upstairs was transformed into. She establishes this whole send-up-to-50s B-movies that permeate through the film.
0: Charmin recalls that during rehearsals for the stage show, he was the one who asked Richard to add the wedding scene and damage Annette. This was partly to establish the characters, but also to delay Frank's appearance until around 15 minutes, their traditional entrance timing for a Hollywood
2: star. One of the biggest cinematic influences for Charmin was the French surrealist masterpiece, Judix a 1960s remake of a silent serial from the early days of cinema, itself originally based on the French comic book anti-hero Phantomas. Charmin laments, All of Judix is lovingly filmed to evoke the naive technique of early serials. Beards are false, dialogue stilted, shadows fall the wrong way as masked characters scale impossible walls. Scene divisions are announced by Saturday serial-type optical cuts and dissolves. Once you're in on the joke, the playful surrealism and the attention to detail are sources of constant delight. I had never seen anything like it, and there is no other film quite like it. There is, however, one film that was greatly influenced by it. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh Ah, hey, he said
0: the thing. Yeah, and you can tell how kind of that weird surrealism was smashed together with Richard O'Brien's story inspired by campy hammer horror films and pulp sci-fi.
1: Well, all that stuff and their budget. Originally, Brian Thompson recalls that Richard and Jim wanted to do a much more sci-fi kind of approach for the movie, but the finances put a quash to that. Jim was offered a bigger budget from the studio if he had cast a bunch of eager and bankable rock stars, think Mick Jagger and the like, but instead he happily settled with the B-picture budget and the home movie approach.
2: You've got to also remember this was only Jim Sharman's second movie. In 1971, he collaborated with Brian Thompson on a little scene, low-budget, kind of musical, called Shirley Thompson vs. the Aliens. But that was it. No other experience.
0: There's a really janky copy of Shirley Thompson versus the Aliens. It's available on YouTube, and it is absolutely crazy the number of things you recognize. Like, Jim Sharman must have a thing for girls hanging out on jukeboxes, or Brian Thompson just has a hard-on for jukeboxes or something that involves fetishism with jukeboxes. This 50s biker gang drags this jukebox around for part of the movie, dancing around it in some weird hair or like Jesus Christ Superstar kind of field.
1: Neither of those references are the least bit surprising. The film also bounces between black and white in color, doing the same Wizard of Oz homage that Rocky was conceptualized with, but that would eventually fall through. We need to talk more about that, because a lot of stuff like the Transylvanians were to support the Wizard of Oz theme.
2: Uh, For sure. Seeing stuff in Shirley Thompson that is later echoed in Rocky and Shock Treatment is so weird. You know the ring of filing cabinets in Cosmo Nation's office in Shock Treatment? Yeah, Brian Thompson did the exact same trick here in Shirley Thompson. Also, you know the entirety of Lullaby? The way that that's one single long shot going across and then coming back? Same fucking shot is in Shirley Thompson. Like, I'm going to put these together on YouTube. It is uncanny how identical. Apparently, Jim Sharman only knows four shots. There's also a fairly long segment that's just a close-up
0: of some lips, which is a familiar sight to any Rocky fan. Though, Sharman and Thompson both agree that the inspiration for the opening lips in Rocky was a Man Ray painting that Thompson had in his flat. Not the SpongeBob villain, I should clarify. It was not a painting of the SpongeBob villain.
2: Is there a Spongebob villain named Man Ray? Yes, there is. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. So all this is to say a lot of the weird changes from the stage show to the movie were just things that Jim Sharman and Brian Thompson had already been messing around with on film. This was only their second film together, and they were fairly inexperienced. This sentiment was echoed by many members of the crew.
1: They were doing a send-up to the stuff they liked. It was the Hammer Horror films that inspired Richard O'Brien, their influence leading to the decision to swap the movie theater for the scary real castle of Oakley Court. Did you guys know that the castle is now a hotel?
2: Charmin, on the (laughs) other hand, was more enamored with Alfred Hitchcock and the surrealist films, stuff like Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. He mentioned one of his favorites, Peeping Tom, that he was introduced to by Little Nell, a movie where the act of filmmaking is presented as eroticized murder and sexual violation. It's, it, it, it's, a, it's about a, a movie camera that's got a knife inside of it. He, he makes it sound way more ooh than it is.
1: A lot of the other changes from the stage show are filmmaking conveniences or attempts to adapt stage show style pacing to film. Several lines and verses of songs were chopped. The only explanation anyone has given attributes these changes to having being made for pacing. But Wizard of Oz, let's talk about that.
2: I mean, where to start? So much of the adaptation and design was centered around this Wizard of Oz concept. That's why the Transylvanians are all at the wedding and they're the same people who are in the castle. Hell, the Transylvanians themselves were added because they just needed to fill up the screen. You see, the stage show worked really well with only a handful of performers in a really tight space, but this was the first time that Jim Sharman was making a 35mm film, and he found himself faced with the dilemma of how to fill all of that space, the big giant cavernous sets and a 30-foot screen. For the wedding, the Transylvanians are all dressed really drab because it was intended to be shot in black and white. Similarly, once at the castle, they're all dressed in their formal wear with bold colors, but that's just for the dramatic reveal when the movie was supposed to switch into color.
0: Right, so you're supposed to go, Oh, those weren't just dressed up guests. They are weird guests.
2: (laughs) Ha ha ha. So funny.
1: I think we can see why it's best to leave the Wizard of Oz in Oz.
2: It's not just that, though. There's still plenty more that remains from Oz in the movie. If you've ever wondered why the choruses in Time Warp are weirdly sped up in those high-pitched voices, that was Richard Hartley's choice. He did it as a throwback to the Munchkins from Wizard of Oz. That's why it sounds so different from the stage versions. The Transylvanians, in general,
0: were a sticking point for Richard O'Brien. He didn't like their inclusion, but he confessed that he took a backseat and let Charmin take the wheel for the movie. So there was this interview, and Richard had once said, Sharman's going to shoot the movie. Why should I write the screenplay and write scenes that he doesn't want? He's got his own vision for this. So I just let him sit there and tell me how he saw he was going to shoot it, and I dutifully shaped the screenplay to suit his shooting needs.'"
1: Several others would bemoan the inclusion of the Transylvanians. Peter Blake, one of the most prolific stage Franks, would go so far as to say, why put them in? They ruin what is a very scary plot development. Imagine you're Brad and Janet. You break down miles from nowhere in the middle of a storm and seek shelter in a place that's so scary even Satan would shit his pants. It's a castle straight out of Hammer House of Horror.
0: I think that's super fair. Like, it's way more sinister for Brad and Janet to be the only outsiders to see Frank's lab and then to witness the birth of Rocky. Like, I can see why Blake felt that the Transylvanians kind of dumbed down the terror.
1: To be fair, you kinda needed them for the wedding scene. There's yet another Wizard of Oz homage there, with Frank, Magenta, Columbia, and Riff playing the church workers.
2: And the black and white thing is yet again carried through into Brian Thompson's designs, especially for the ballroom. All the walls were dull and gray, and the copies of Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa that adorned the walls are in black and white.
1: Something nobody would have noticed till the movie jumped into color with Frank's entrance.
2: And the rainbow at the end, while the castle is
0: blasting off, another Wizard of Oz reference.
2: They are just all over the place.
0: I mean, as are references to so many other tidbits of pop culture and the films that inspired Rocky. Like, it's really an amalgamation of ideas shoved into a blender and splattered onto the screen. In the best way possible.
2: Aww. Is
0: that really an awe-worthy statement? But regardless, that's our show. (laughs) We want to thank our friend Rowan for writing in. We love you to bits. You're so hot. And we really appreciate how much support you
2: always show our show. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rowan, for another fabulous question. We can always count on you for great ideas that I would never even consider researching on my own. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us spread the word all about it. All you got to do is go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It helps us make our podcast more visible to new listeners, which helps us grow the show. Also, we're on Facebook, Instagram,
0: and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So please go check us out if you like us and want more content. And also, write to us. We love hearing from all our listeners. Getting messages from you makes our whole entire week.
1: We especially want to hear about all the cool Rocky stuff you're working on and all the upcoming special events your casts are getting ready to do. We want to share it on our show and help you spread the word. Or maybe you have a spicy story you'd like us to read on air for Big Dick Storytime? Hmm?
2: Jacob will even read it if you're feeling masochistic.
1: Please don't offer them that.
2: Yeah, so if
0: you're working on a Rocky-related project that you're excited about, if your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky horror career, go to our website, RockyTalkiepodcast.com and fill out our contact form to share with us.
2: We'll talk to you all next week.
1: Bye! Bye! Oh.
2: See ya. Hot.
1: I don't have any words anymore.
2: I know I'm really, really excited about finally having a way to watch Rocky Horror. I've been unable to since it was removed from... Oh, yeah. Okay, moving on!
1: Yo, this guy has shit going... Yo, this guy has... Oh, my God!
2: <laughs> Does he?
1: No! Uh,
2: you see, the museum has just opened an exhibition. The museum has just opened an ex... Oh, my exhibition. God. I understand the word. The museum has just opened an exhibition. John, <clears throat> can
1: you reread that line, uh, excited?
2: Sure.
0: <clears throat> First up in community news, we've got another production of the Rocky Horror Day Show to look forward to at the end of the year. Was that Perfect. excited? Yeah. First... <laughs>
1: I liked hey, like, hey, yeah? Hey, yeah.
0: uh, Yeah. Outcast?
1: Yeah, no, I know the song, but I feel like I've never said the name. I feel like it should be hey, (laughs) yeah. Like, hey, yeah is just the way they, okay, whatever. Uh, Upsetting, okay. I am just up all night pondering all these questions. Please help. Thanks. Oh, Duke. (sighs) Please help. Thanks. XOXO. Duke!
0: (laughs) Hold on.
1: I can't get this out. I think he hears me saying "help" and he's freaking out.
0: I've said that before.
1: Please I... help. Thanks. XOXO. Dude. <laughs> I just XOXO. Okay. <laughs> it's your turn, John.
0: I I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry for my son. He's very temperamental.
0: Do you have headphones in? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn it. I was going to yell help and see if it was going to make him bark.
1: Well, he Um, freaks out. Like, if I say help me, he'll, like, attack whoever's standing next to me.
0: What a good dog. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: But in the change from the lab to the... Duke, we talked about this. They just added it to the movie to fix the pacing. They just added it to the movie to fix the pacing. And it failed miserably. They just in a movie that the pacing. <laughs> Duke, it's Duke. <laughs> and it failed miserably in that regard. And it failed miserably in that regard. In addition, <laughs> it made the time... I'm trying my best.
0: In addition, it made the timeline confusing with no explanation.
1: Take your fucking line,
0: John. I'm sorry, Nikki. Urr. What the fuck? Hold on,
1: Duke. I'm 14 and that's deep. Hold on, Duke. I'm 14 and that's deep. I like this. <laughs> but the finances put a quash to that. That's a word? Yeah. I fucking hate the way you guys make me sound. I sound so smart. It's gross.
0: Show our show. Yeah. Show our show.
1: Show our show. Duke.
0: Also, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So please go check us out if you like us. Hello? Duke is outside <laughs> Sorry, my Duke came now. to your house. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Duke traveled across state borders.
2: Yeah. He's the Don.
1: I almost hung up the call instead of stopping recording. I was just like, I peace.